Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Hello, I'm Durandal Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we have a special conversation about how a bill becomes a law. But before we do that, let's welcome our host, the Sam in Sam Says, Samantha Oldsfry, CEO of I'm Hip. Sam, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Durandal? I am doing well, doing well. So we have a very interesting conversation today. So I'm going to step aside quickly and allow one of our favorite probably our favorite returning guest, uh, Kareem Kenyatta, to step in and, and, and have a conversation with you for our listeners to just foundationally set how a bill becomes a law. So let's bring him in. Kareem, how are you today? Good. How are you, Ronald? Thanks for having me. We appreciate you, uh, you coming back and joining us as always. So as I said in the intro, we're going to just, I'm going to step out and allow you and Sam to create the magic that you always do. Uh, for our listeners, this is a little more educational today. We're going to talk about how a bill becomes a law. So, Sam, I'm going to leave it with you and um, and let you and Kareem take it away. Thank you. I'm so excited about this discussion, Kareem, because we always, you know, when we meet and we we have you on the podcast, we sort of talk about the nuts and bolts of Springfield and what we're anticipating is going to happen and the laws that have passed and sort of our take on them and what we think may or may not happen next. And that's because you and I like live this, uh, you know, every day we both were legislative staffers. We both sort of, I don't know, grew up in this space, so to speak, or at least I did for sure. Um, and so it's, it's so basic. It's ingrained in us. But I realize there are so many people in the healthcare space where maybe they're doing quality work or they're doing operational work or finance and they don't necessarily have that like legislative or policy appreciation because it's it's just not what they do day in and day out. And I think it's critical that we sort of just lay the groundwork of what the process is in Springfield because it is also different than at the federal level um, and, and what it's supposed to look like and sometimes how it really looks and uh, go from there. No, it's always exciting just to talk about because there's so much that goes into it, whether it's a simple bill. And first thing you learn is there's no such thing as a simple bill, even if it's to change the state flag color from red to blue. There's, you know, a lot of things that go into it. So, yeah, I think it's great to provide just like a breakdown of, you know, what goes into the process. And those are only the things that we anticipate. There's a lot more that can happen that you never do anticipate when the bill is introduced. So yeah, it's always exciting to talk about it though. And just like you said, relive the years of becoming a staffer and learning what the budget process is and the bill process and all that stuff. So yeah. Oh, we'll have always to do the budget to one for sure too. Cause oh, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's I think where we should start is in Illinois, there are substantive legislation. So this is legislation that is going to you know, change a policy. We're going to, you know, Medicaid's going to cover this benefit they didn't used to cover, or the rate is going to be different than it used to be. Um, and then there's appropriations and the budget. And that is essentially, this is how much money the state has to spend. And in Illinois, you're not allowed to have a substantive bill intermingled with an appropriations bill. They, they are separate and distinct. 
And so when we're talking about legislation today, we're going to talk about it from a substantive perspective, but I think we'll come back with probably with Kareem and maybe another one of our consultants, John Louder, to talk about the budget process, because that is absolutely its own episode. So substantively, I think it's worth noting that legislation always starts with an idea. And like, so for us here at I'm Hip, we start talking and thinking about our legislative agenda right after legislative session ends. So we start over the summer thinking, okay, what are we going to do in the next year? What are the things that could be shored up? What are some best practices we've learned from other states? What needs tweaking that we would want to pursue legislatively? So you get your idea and then you find, then you start batting it around. You bat it around with experts. You bat it around internally and externally. Um, and, and you have, you sort of firm up your idea. And then for me, I then take it to a legislator. I start talking about it with a few legislators to see who might be interested in being the sponsor of this idea to sort of gauge what that um, interest may be. Is that sort of Kareem in things other than for I'm hip? Is that how you, that, that process sort of universal for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, as part of that, you have to think about, you know, who your potential opponents are, because your opponents are important to determine what legislator you decide to sponsor. Because if you pick a bill or a subject where the legislator is, you know, let's say, has a good relationship with someone who's going to be an opponent to your bill, well, obviously, that can create problems for you down the road. So you try to balance all this stuff out. Because the other thing is once the bill is actually introduced, you know, once your idea and all your discussions and everything, you know, comes to a conclusion, you have to be able to obviously take it to that next step. But once you do that, it's out there for everyone to see. And so if there are people who don't like your bill, you know, you have to prepare the sponsor and say, hey, you're going to get a call from so-and-so and and they're going to tell you this about the bill, but trust us, you know, you have to stick with us. And as you know, and we can get into that in more detail, you know, the process from when the bill is actually introduced until it actually goes through the committee process and passes off the floor, it's a lot that happens. And so picking a sponsor, I would say, is one of the most important things you can do when you're talking about introducing a bill. I could not agree more. And that was sort of my next thing is like, you have to acknowledge that in Springfield, everybody, like things, even, you know, you gave your example of changing the Illinois flag from red to blue. There are red ink manufacturers and blue ink manufacturers and printers. And there are going to be people on each side of even sort of like what sounds like the silliest of, of ideas or simplest of ideas. And so you have to be able to think who's going to be opposed to this, Where's that opposition going to be coming from? How um, stringent and public is that opposition going to be and aggressive? And when you start talking to legislators, at least from my perspective, and I know this is how you and I lobby, you have to be really straightforward and say, I think this is where the opposition is going to come from. Um, And there will be most likely on almost any bill, there's going to be somebody who's opposed or who at least has concerns. And if you don't, go to your sponsor and really say that up front, you can almost, you know, sort of kill the chances of this bill ever becoming a law from the beginning. And and I think of that, you know, you and I, we pursued 
implicit bias training for healthcare professionals. Um, and, and at the time, uh, Representative Welch was our sponsor, now Speaker Welch. Um, but we chose a sponsor who knew there was going to be opposition, but believed so passionately in what we were trying to do, we knew he wasn't going to walk away from the concept of implicit bias training in healthcare because he's not going to walk away from healthcare disparities. Um, and so knowing that you're going to have opposition um, and, and being honest with your sponsor about that, but that piece also determines the type of sponsor that you're going to have with your legis- you know, with what your idea may be. That's right. You know, as you're thinking about the subject matter and, you know, obviously when you know it's a healthcare bill, you have an idea of where it's going to be assigned to the committee that it may go to. But you have to think about that as well and say, well, can I get this bill out of this committee based off the anticipated opposition? And if you don't think you can, then, you know, you either have to, you know, because sometimes it is helpful to reach out to whoever you think the opponents are going to be and say, Hey, can we work this out in advance? And, you know, sometimes you get to a point where it's like, you know, Nope, sorry, we can't see out of eye. Good luck. You know, see on the battlefield, you know, I don't, whatever your description is, but you know, you have to be able to, you know, have those discussions and, you know, even with the opponents, you know, be respectful and, you know, frame it so that it really is just based off the argument that you both are making. And it's not this, personal issue because as we've seen sometimes it can go that route where you know it does although we always say don't it should never be personal it's hard sometimes when you know you get to a point with the bill and you're frustrated because it's not moving and it's because your opponent may be saying things that either are true or not true and so all this stuff you got to be able to work around that's right and so you you've got this idea you've talked to your proponents you've talked to your sponsor you then you know, depending on how controversial it is, you start to approach your potential opponents. Um, I like to do that once I have something in legis- um, an LRB form, which is the Legislative Reference Bureau. And so that is the form that you file the bill. Like, so I like to have something, if I'm going to po- approach an opponent and say, look, we're, we're pursuing this. And maybe I start at the beginning, like we're going to pursue this, this legislative session. We anticipate you may have concerns once we have language, we'll share it with you. And, and we want to have a productive dialogue. Um, I like to have sort of what our idea is a little, you know, baked a little bit at least, so that when I meet with potential opponents, I can say, well, this is in here because of this. This other organization cares very passionately about this component. Um, and, you know, sort of have that productive conversation and understand at least from from my perspective, from our, you know, from the association and then our other, you know, proponents sort of, these are the lines and this is where the sponsor may be. The sponsor may never budge on this particular component. So there's really no point in me even trying to negotiate on that because that is a, that's the line in the sand. So I like to sort of have a understanding, a firm understanding of my position, the sponsor's position, any other proponent's position before broaching the conversation with the opponents, but I don't mind starting those conversations before the bill's even filed. Um, because I think sometimes you can clear off potential stumbling blocks right away. Like, oh, we hate that effective date. Oh, okay. Like, well, what's an effective date that works for you? Like there are some things that you can negotiate on from the front end, um, that, 
can change the tone of the conversation really quickly as long as you are negotiating with an opponent that is negotiating in good faith. That's right. Yep. And, you know, and that always goes into, you know, the other decision you have to make is where do you want to start the bill? Do you want to start the bill in the House? Do you want to start in the Senate? And, you know, it all depends on leadership. You know, sometimes you want to start in the chamber that maybe you will have the most problems because, you know, the other things you have to think about are deadlines. And, you know, if you can't get past because really, you know, the saying is it's always easier to kill a bill than pass a bill, because when you're trying to pass a bill, you have to overcome deadlines, you have to overcome all these things. So, you know, having all this stuff worked out before, like you said, you get it into the LRB format or Legislative Reference Bureau format and have it ready to be presented and filed. I mean, all that's really important because, as you know, you only get so many chances at doing things that you need to do before it becomes a law. So every decision you make from the time that bill is introduced has to be strategic. And, you know, you have to keep in mind all the deadlines and everything that you're facing. Right. And so you you got this idea, you've done a ton of work, you file your bill in LRB format, you've talked to your opponents, you talk to your proponents, you have a sponsor, you've picked a chamber, you know, then there's this, so it's filed, it's assigned to a committee. In healthcare, you have a good sense most of the time of what committee that is going to be assigned to. Um, There are only a handful Um, of where the bill is going to go. But every once in a while, you'll catch a curveball. Like you might be expecting it to go to human services and then it ends up being assigned to executive committee. And so, you know, there's, there's all of these pieces that are still just completely unknown and unanticipated. But let's assume it's a healthcare bill. It's assigned to a healthcare committee. You have to, and you've alluded to this already, you know, there are, committee deadline. So you have to get your bill out of committee before the deadline. And then it goes to the floor of the chamber you started in. So let's just say we're starting it in the house because that's, you know, that's the one that came up in my mind. So we start the bill in the house. It moves out of the House Human Services Committee. We then need to have it called on the floor before deadline. It needs to pass over to the Senate. It needs to be assigned to a committee heard before deadline and passed to the floor of the Senate, all intact with opponents, with proponents, with pressures completely outside of your bill. Um, And I think that's something that often people forget about is I've had bills tied up because of an energy bill discussion or because of a, you know, a revenue discussion or something that just had nothing to do with us at all, but because there was a limited capacity on how our sponsors or key legislators could take up, you know, big issues or, you know, they, the, the floor debate, you know, we just don't get to the healthcare bill because we spent 10 hours on a gun bill. And so, you know, there are all these other things that completely outside of your control. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, you could do everything right in one chamber and here, let's say your opponent say, oh, thanks for giving us this. We'll take a look at it. Never hear from them. It passes out of one chamber. Then you pop up in the other chamber and all of a sudden they come back and say, you know what, we got a real problem here. So now you have to 
decide, do I try to pass this over their opposition? Do I work with them, amend it? But then you have to go back to the other chamber and hope that they accept the changes that, you know, passed out of the first chamber. So it's a lot that goes into just, and you don't always know kind of where things are going to come from. Like Samantha mentioned, you could have all these external factors that come into play, you know, budget talks, or there could be a, a partisan breakdown, you know, it's just a lot of a million things that can happen. So you really just, and, you know, I think the main thing is you want to make sure that, you know, if it's something that has to pass right away, you know, it makes it even more difficult. I think anytime you introduce legislation, you have to be mentally prepared that this may take a while. It may not happen this session, or it may, you know, if it does happen this session, it may not look the way I want it to. And so, you just have to really be flexible and open and, you know, not get so, you know, narrow minded and focused on what you want to do, because there are so many different factors in the process that you have to take account of and be, you know, anticipate happening, I should say. Absolutely. And we haven't even brought in like the administration. I think the one thing everybody is always trying to avoid is that the administration comes in and says, we can't do this. It's too expensive or we don't like it. And so there's this whole other factor, like you haven't even gotten to the governor's desk yet, but you're always thinking about what are they going to do? What is the administration going to say? What's the agency going to say? And so it is, it is multifaceted from the, you know, from the beginning to the end. So you get it out of both chambers. You hopefully you don't have to amend it and deal with concurrence, which hits up against other deadlines. Then it has to be signed and then it has to be implemented. And we haven't even talked about implementation. And so I think what we're, we've laid out here is it's not easy. It takes even simple things. I mean, even something as simple as, um, you know, changing the data report is due can get bogged down in this, this process. Um, but as my favorite now judge always reminded me is our founding fathers never wanted democracy to be quick. It was purposefully meant to be slow and purposeful so that everyone could, ha or could have a voice or that was the intent. And so it can be so frustrating how long it can take, but we've definitely seen what happens when it doesn't take a long time and there's not a lot of input and there's not a lot of dialogue. Mistakes are made and at times really bad public policies implemented. That's absolutely right. And I think that's really the most important piece to stress is, you know, sometimes even though it's frustrating when things don't happen right away, the fact that, you know, this is a law that will impact a lot of lives, you know, it's just when you think about the big picture, sometimes it's time is, uh, you know, time isn't always your enemy in these situations because it's better to take on more perspective because like you said, if it's done in a vacuum and rushed through, that's when mistakes are made and those mistakes have an impact on lives across the state. So sometimes it's better to take your time and do it the right way. Okay, I think that's a good point to, uh, to close it out on. And, and as you alluded to at the beginning, uh, this conversation is multi-layered and also um, something that I think we can come back and have future conversations on um, different components of it. Kareem, thank you as always for, for joining us. And I hope that you will continue to come back and join us on Sam Says. I know that myself and, and many others that listen always appreciate your insight and your feedback. So I hope you'll come back and join us in the future. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
Appreciate it. Sam, before we close out, is there just one thing, you know, I know you know this well inside and out, and this was a lot of information that was uh, that you and Kareem uh, expertly displayed for our listeners today. But is there just one key takeaway that you have that you just want our listeners to think about, especially as we head towards veto session and people start to think about how these bills become law or perhaps don't become law? Yeah, I think, you know, I often forget, even though I live it, like as I was outlining how many steps there were, how complex it is. And I think that can really frustrate people. Um, and how many times that somebody can either raise a new opposition item or sort of a new wrinkle that somebody hadn't thought about. But just sort of the reminder that that opposition or that concern, that wrinkle, I mean, it could make for better public policy. And that, you know, this process wasn't meant to be quick. Um, And this process impacts millions of people. And so it's probably in our best interest to all be incredibly purposeful about the public policy that we implement. And so I, I know that it's complex. I know that it's complicated. I know that it can be frustrating, but the alternative can be terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. A great point for not only to close out on, but for our listeners to think about going forward. Again, a special thank you to I'm Hip consultant Kareem Kenyatta for taking some time to uh, connect with us again today. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, I encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at imhip.net. That's I A M H P.net to learn more about what the association is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. I also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you're interested in becoming a trusted partner of the association, I encourage you again to connect with I'm Hip at its website, imhip.net. On behalf of Sam and the team at I'm Hip, I'm DeRondel Beverly again with the Gemini Group. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.